You are listening to the message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. And I want to put the title I've already put up called Listen to God. And I want to start by uh, talking about the whispers of the Spirit. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. I like this passage because we see Jesus is figuratively knocking at the door of every human heart. We know it's God's purpose for all people to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. And so Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting all the souls of the whole world. And there are some people that hear his voice and others that do not. Notice what the scripture says there. There are some layers to it. I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus is doing two things. First, he's standing there. His presence is... is omnipresent at all times. He's here on earth with us. He's knocking, which means he's doing something to cause us to be aware or feel a need. And he says, if anyone or any one of the people of earth hears my voice and opens the door in two dimensions, meaning we can hear a voice and not open a door. There are a lot of people that have had experiences, and I am guilty before I met Christ of having heard the voice and doing exactly the opposite. I did not open the door. I ran in the opposite direction. And that was pretty much from the time I was 12 until I was 17. So about five years of my life, I heard his voice. I knew and I sensed. And I had encounters with his presence. And I, I knew that he was real and powerful. But I didn't open the door. It took me quite a while to finally get to the point. And if we do open that door, it says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me, which, of course, is fellowship. He says he will come into us, he will eat with us, have this fellowship and this friendship with us, and we will dine with Jesus because it's a two-way street. It's mutual. And I believe this goes beyond the reference of um, the last and final marriage in the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's not talking about what will be, but what is now our fellowship with him, our time with him. And he's standing, he's knocking, he's speaking. He wants us to open the door to him, but some do, some don't. And there's reasons why they don't and reasons why they do. And that's pretty much what this message is about. We're going to go through some passages and ask the question, are we listening to God? Are we sensitive to the whispers of the Spirit? Are we able to discern when God is instructing us, leading us, guiding us. And before we get into this, I do want to say that this is not as easy as it seems. And there are many people who do not hear or do not respond to the voice of God because of confusion. And even the Apostle Paul, we see in the book of Acts, one of my favorite passages where the Lord spoke to him and put a burden in his heart and he decided he wanted to go to Asia. And when he tried this, the Spirit of God did not allow him. He forbade him, the Spirit of Christ. And then later, it did not allow him to go to the other direction he wanted to go. That means that he missed it two times in a row. And finally, he had the vision of the man of Macedonia. And I found that the way that God speaks is often in figures, in pictures, in ideas. And you see that with Paul. And if Paul, being such a great man of God, and being so sensitive to God's Spirit, and being empowered by God, if he had challenges in clearly discerning what God was trying to say, well, then I think we're in good company to understand that we see in part, the Bible says. We prophesy in part. Uh, we look through a glass that is tinted or dark, it says in the Bible. And so it is with the way that we hear God's voice. But of course, we're all working on understanding the voice more. And I know that it is everyone's desire in this room, I'm sure. My desire is to be more discerning of the voice of God each and every time that he speaks to me. And I've been working on it for 35 years, and I've just felt so guilty for the five years that I purposely was ignoring his voice. So are you listening to God? Are you sensitive enough to hear the whispers of the Spirit? And we're not even going to go into the story of the prophet on the mountain 
and the earthquake and the fire and the wind and finally the still small voice. Uh, but that is, in preface, that's a fact. We know that his voice is a still small voice. But there's some other issues about his voice I want to talk about in this message. Subtleties of the delicate voice of God. First thing is that God's voice establishes all things. I mean, he makes everything. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So here we see first that just as Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit here on earth came and was the creating power. We know in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him, it says. So Jesus in the Trinity was the agent of creation. But we sometimes have a visual of Him kind of putting together things with His hands if He's going to make things. But in actuality, He did things with His words. He spoke them. Even while He was on earth in human form, He spoke. And people who discerned properly the power of his creative words said i'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof just say the word and my servant would be healed so they understood that jesus had that ability but here we see the spirit of god in the very beginning of creation before anything was made he was hovering over what was pretty much a chaotic mess and i see this as an analogy of exactly how he works in our life he he never leaves us or forsakes us uh, sometimes we feel like he's not there, but he's always there hovering over the deep part of us, hovering over our minds, our emotions, and he's watching, he's waiting for opportunity to speak in season. He's waiting for a moment that we are in a position that is perhaps more open to his speaking. That's why long periods of time will pass that we do not hear God's voice, at least we do not hear it clearly. And he is not always yakking to us. He's not always talking. Sometimes he leaves us in a pattern and we continue doing what we know to be right. And you say, well, how do we know what's right? Well, we have the Bible. All we need to do is read the scriptures, read the Sermon on the Mount about basic life's conduct and relationships and how to love people. Take his word for exactly what it says. Read it like you would read a legal document. Read it like you would read your money. And if it says 50, it's 50. Just live it. And I was, I was talking this morning to a group of people about that fact that years ago, my wife and I, as young Christians, we accepted the Bible. We accepted the words. And we were very literal about the words. If it said it, we did it. To the most extreme things, you know, the hard things like go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. We did like everything it said, we actually did it again and again, because we so wanted to fulfill his principles. So in that regard, yes, we have his voice that comes. His spirit is over us. He's watching us. The Holy Spirit activates portions of scripture with what we call rhema word. That's a way that his voice is speaking to us. But all these manifestations of the voice of God happen in opportune moments, usually of our respect, our silence, and our seeking. Uh, this morning I was reading in the Gospels where it talked about kingdom participation. Anyone that wants to be a part of the kingdom is going to have to pay some prices and count the cost. And Jesus gave the parable. It's a man who wanted to build the tower. And if he wants to build the tower, doesn't he first sit down, it says, and consider if he has enough in laying the foundation to finish the tower? Because if he doesn't finish it, then he'll be ridiculed by the people because he did not think it through. So God is wanting, there's another scripture that says, come let us reason together. And he wants us to come and actually have conversation. Years ago, I taught a message about Gideon, who was in the wine press threshing his wheat. He was hiding because anytime they had any crops or did anything and harvested the enemy, the Amalekites would come and steal their food. So he's hiding. He feels like a coward. And that, in that place, that's where the angel of the Lord comes to him and calls him a, a great man of God, and he's really confused about it. He's like, well, who am I? You know what, what? I'm a great man again. Then why am I here hiding in a wine press to try to protect if I was so great? Wouldn't I have this authority or power? Whatever the case, it's interesting that 
when God speaks to people, he's looking for a conversation. So we keep that in mind. All these factors. He's over us at all times. There's never a moment that he's not with you. It's a fact in the Bible. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's in a room. If you have a question, ask him. But sometimes we ask it rhetorically and not actually. We will say, you know, I wonder, God, if, if this or that. And we don't take the time to wait for a response. But I say, listen to the whisper of the Spirit, because he will give you clear answers. Now, Speaking about his voice, we see now in Luke chapter 9, this other passage in introduction. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. So here, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have experienced something amazing, an encounter, overwhelming um, time that they had on this mountain. In fact, it rendered them unconscious. It was so overwhelming, and Jesus had to go touch them and wake them up. And I imagine if we had been on that mountain when Jesus is transfigured in front of us, it might overwhelm us in the same way. We might freak out, pass out, or maybe just the glory of God was so heavy they could not stay alert or awake in it as the power of God was there, which I'm convinced about them is what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane also in the end, that they didn't fall asleep because they were tired, but because they were very drowsy due to the power that was present, the presence of God in that garden as the Father laid upon Jesus the sins of us all and that weariness that was there caused them to be under the weight of it. So God's presence comes in that manifest presence. The whisper will come. Here, you may be involved in an encounter or see something, feel something, and this is another way that a voice will manifest. It says, a voice came out of the cloud. And there are, if you go look for voices coming out of clouds in the Bible, there are many references. Uh, Jesus or uh, Jehovah God manifested on the mountain as thick smoke or a cloud. He was a pillar of smoke or a cloud and day and fire by night with the Israelites. And that peak, like, a, like the tip of a tornado, that, that pillar would rest upon the Holy of Holies and the point of it would hover just above the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And what does it say? The priests heard there the voice. They could listen to the actual voice of God from that point. So we use that as an analogy, and okay, well, how do I hear the voice of God? Where am I going to go to hear it? Well, you go into the holiest place of God. Well, how do I get there? Well, use the reference of the Bible and understand that we take effort. We, sacrifices have been made for us so that we have entrance. And Jesus, when he died, the veil in the temple opened up. So we make every effort to enter that rest, it says in Hebrews. There's a rest that remains. And the same reference is talking about that holy of holies. But then the writer of Hebrews says, make every effort. Do everything you can to make sure you get there because that's where you hear the voice. And I'm saying all this to say that often people do not clearly hear the voice, maybe because they are not deeply seeking or taking the time. Sometimes you need to get away. Sometimes you need to be quiet. Sometimes you need to uh, take a holiday that is not completely drenched with activities. Uh, a moment where you can actually be in, a, I, I think, one of the most interesting places I've ever been, and I heard a lot there, was on a, um, a palm oil plantation in, in northern Malaysia, Gua Musang, at um, uh, Mr. Chua's place. And, well, now they have electricity. Back then, they didn't have electricity. So you either you had a lamp or a flashlight, and there was a generator that ran only certain times. And man, when you're in a place in the middle of a forest and a palm oil plantation at night in the pitch blackness and you lay on that floor and there's not even enough electricity for a fan or anything, you just lay there. So many thoughts go through your head. So many ideas come to your mind. But we are living in a din of loudness. I, I don't mind loud noises. I can actually hear things in the, in the thickness of many voices. And 
uh, I call it the din of different things. Like wherever I go to a busy place and I hear it, I record it on my phone. I have like 50 places on my phone that I let people hear and see if they can guess where it's at. And one is like sub, I have subway din. That is when people are on a crowded platform in subways, I have one in Tokyo, in New York, here in Singapore. Singapore, you recognize right away when you hear it. But when we live in a city like this, we always have these noises around us. And sometimes we just need to get away if we can in a quiet place and listen. And God truly wants to speak to us. He wants us to hear his voice. God's voice is deep, powerful, and life-changing. This is an absolute fact. Revelation chapter 1, which this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture, and it is also the very first passage of the Bible I ever read. I was raised with books that were religious, and we read those, but we did not have Bibles in our house. We did have a children's Bible that was stories. It was compiled as stories. It wasn't actual Scripture, but it was like uh, summaries. And I read a little bit of that when I was a small boy, but this is the first passage I ever read in the Bible was Revelation chapter 1. I was 17 years old, standing in my room. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as it is refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. That's a fascinating idea. His voice was like the sound of many waters. So this is the first passage that I said that I read. And I, at that moment in my life, I was wrestling with whether God really existed. That was the same week that I dared speak to the sky and say, if you're real, prove it to me. And God started trying to talk to me. But it's kind of hard to understand somebody whose voice is like the sound of many waters. Kind of hard to understand somebody that speaks through a cloud or an impulse or an idea. And in this first experience with the whispers of the Spirit in my life when I was 17, I was completely unaware of the fact that he was trying to talk to me. And I lacked all experience with the voice of God. But looking back on it, it's probably one of the loudest moments of my life that I opened that Bible, read it, and he came into the room and I felt it. I was not a believer yet, but I felt it very strongly. And I dropped the Bible and ran out. And later, by a series of events, most of you have heard the story, I did end up receiving Christ just within a couple of days of that happening by a man on television that said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And I agreed. And I said, yes, I do. And I prayed. It's how I got saved. But all that was God speaking to me, speaking to me before that moment. And then during that time that I invited him, which is another important fact, that his voice has to be invited. Uh, you have to make sure that you're asking him to speak to you. Say, God, speak to me. Ask him directly. I mean, my salvation came from that. One simple question or one simple invitation I gave to God was, if you're real, prove it to me. And that's when I began to hear his voice. That's when I read this passage. And I remember even thinking at that time, how can someone's voice be like many waters? Um, but I understand it's a rush it comes in waves. It is vast. It's powerful. And God's voice is individually perceived. John chapter 12, we're going to go on where it says in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, before we go on, I want to consider these first couple of verses. Here's Jesus in front of a lot of witnesses. He's talking to the Father and he has asked the Father to glorify his name. And this caused a manifestation of a voice 
that came from heaven. If the Bible says it, I believe it. So the scripture here says that God spoke. And there are a lot of people standing there. But interestingly, it says, therefore, the people who stood by and heard it. Now, these are people who heard the voice, but they did not discern it as a voice. They said they stood by and said that it had thundered. So therefore, we find out that voice manifestations of God, the way that he speaks, what might be very clear for somebody, but right next to you, somebody may have no discernment at all for that. They may even think that it is, it is thunder or another thing. Often when God is prompting us, speaking to us or directing us, we will blame it on something else. Especially if we want to evade responsibility for what he's telling us to do. Maybe it's something, a life change. Maybe he's drawing us to repentance or giving something up or making a sacrifice. In that case, he, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. We don't really always want to open to it. And even if he does speak, we may end up saying, well, it's like thunder. So they stood there, they heard it. But others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. In other words, Jesus did not need a physical voice of the Father manifested. This was a show put on for the witnesses. And that is exactly what the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is. When the presence of God comes into a room and moves or manifests, he's doing it so that an atmosphere can be formed where people are able to perceive the voice whether they do or not depends on each individual. And this is where we get deeper into this subject and how elusive sometimes the voice of God or what we call the voice of God can be. So here, according to the Bible, very clearly the Father spoke to Jesus, the Son, in that moment of anguish in his life. It was coming to the end and there were people standing around. It's a fact that God spoke to him, but they did not. And I find this to be true for us, that we hear the voice of God the whispers of the Spirit, and we often expect everyone else to understand it too. Sometimes we might even be in a church or in a group of, of believing peers, and we reference that God told me something, and they can accept or understand it. When I was in my church, God told me things, and when I told people, they rolled their eyes. They thought I was crazy. And, I, and these are mature believers that were around me. I was young. But I was excited about what I perceived as the voice of God. I felt like he spoke to me. But what he told me was so outlandish from their perspective that they decided it couldn't have been the voice of God. Partly because the first thing he told me is that I would be an apostle. And I didn't even know what that meant. And so I told, told the people in the church and they said, oh, apostle. Like rolled their eyes. It was a big joke to them. So that was God's voice. Obviously, I mean, I, I did exactly what he told me to do all these years later. But in that moment in the beginning, imagine if I had been totally sensitive to what some other believer would decide about what the voice of God is for my life. Or if they say, well, that's not God. Sometimes God directs us to do things that are completely unpopular with the people around us. And sometimes God will tell us to do things that will cause a great resistance from people or even an outright rejection. But if you feel that God is telling you something, you need to speak that out and you need to do what God tells you to do, even if it means there's a separation between you and someone else. So we hear God's voice, the whispers of the Spirit. We're often, uh, we expect that everybody's going to get it, but they're not. And I think about in terms of vision, your vision is what you see. No one else can always see it. The voice is the same. When God speaks to you, what you hear is what you hear what you perceive in your heart. And other people might not understand it. They may. You can write it down and make it plain, as the Bible says. And others can read it and run with it. They can receive information that God gives you. But I wanted to go on here and see a couple of other instances of the manifestation of God's voice in the Bible. Like Acts chapter 9, famous story of the Damascus Road experience with Saul of Tarsus when he became Paul. And he said, who are you, Lord? This is after he's consumed on the road in the light of God. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice 
but seeing no one. Okay, now here, we have to understand who's writing this. This is written by Luke, the physician. So Luke is writing the account as told to him by others. And he is keeping a journal called the Book of Acts, which formerly was the Book of Luke. There were two parts of one text. And he is, everything he can, he's trying to find out and know exactly what people heard and what they experienced. So his writing here is the men, in other words, what I'm trying to say is the Apostle Paul did not write this. This is a story written by a journalist, basically, that interviewed Paul and wrote down what Paul told him. And his perception here from what Paul told him, or maybe actually what Paul says, said, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. But now let's fast forward in the book of Acts to chapter 22, verse 6. And this is Paul telling his own story of the same account. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So before we go on, it's very clear Paul heard a voice. And Luke actually wrote that because Paul mentioned in conversations, I'm sure God told me. Jesus told me this. He met me on the road and he spoke to me. But now he's going on to say, so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Isn't it interesting that the accounts vary? So here it's saying that they did not hear the voice. But Luke wrote and said they did hear the voice. And now you might say, well, then this is an inconsistency in the word of God. If you do call this an inconsistency in the word of God, I have about 150 of them I could show you and bring you through that. But there's a lot of reasons why those things happen. A lot of it has to do with different perspectives of individuals. So this is Luke talking about something versus Paul saying of himself. So sometimes people assume about this elusive concept of the voice of God. But he's saying they did not hear the voice, where Luke said they heard the voice. And so here he's saying they saw, they were with me indeed, they saw the light and were afraid, and they fell to the ground and were scared in that moment. But he says they didn't hear a voice. So in the original narrative, what Paul experienced, he wrote down, or was written down by, by Luke. And it's interesting to note that it's for us to understand that people surrounding our spiritual life cannot accurately uh, always understand what is occurring in us when God speaks. And that's why I'm very careful to not judge someone that tells me. In fact, if you ever tell me God told me, then basically you're tying my hands up as counsel and help. Soon as you give me that phrase, God told me, I can't help you because I won't interfere with that because I can never suppose that I have a deeper revelation of God's voice for your life than you have for your own life. And I'm going to qualify that in a moment with actual scripture. I have to respect that you are hearing something. Maybe you're not hearing it perfectly, and trial and error will teach you how to discern that voice, but it's an elusive concept for many people. But it's important. It's, it's also true that we ourselves are not always able to understand exactly how we hear God's voice. Somebody says to you, oh, I heard God tell me. You say, how did that happen? Tell me how. And if you pressed me about the times I say I've heard God's voice, I may get a little flustered. Because if you really press me and ask me questions, suddenly I start thinking, well, he spoke, you know, but he didn't like speak like, I'm speaking right now, and you, you, it will cause you, the more you, you start to think about, is it really the voice of God, the less you will discern the voice. Because it's a faith thing. It must be accepted by faith. By faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. We believe and accept that impulse, that idea. And really, the whole realm of prophecy exists in that world, too. Uh, that prophecy, operating in prophecy, prophesying, all of the gifts of the Spirit requires so much faith and trust. And many things that will be a voice that God is speaking to you, if you dissect it long enough, you will prove to yourself that 
God didn't speak to you, and you will nullify the orders he gave you. And start calling in the question, every experience you ever had with God. He said, well, who would do that? Who do you think would do that? What active forces in this world would there be to try to help you? That's why the Bible says you have to take every thought captive. Because you're going to think thoughts about that. And the voice of God is an eternal voice. It's powerful, but it's eternal. So it's resonating out of an eternal plane and manifesting in a physical world. But not everyone is going to hear it because, what does it say? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we're going to get into that a little more. So the voice of God manifests in many different ways for each and every hearer. Each individual must develop their own spiritual ears. And I want to now turn to uh, John chapter 10, the story of the Good Shepherd as spoken by Paul himself. And four things about the voice of the Good Shepherd. And the first thing we're going to see here is the sheep hear his voice. Most assuredly, I say to you, it says in John chapter 10, verse 1, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So first we see here the sheep hear his voice. Your sheep. Uh, the only alternative is your goat. There's sheeps and there's goats in the Bible. I don't want to be on the goat side of the fence. I want to be on the sheep side. And so that's why I care about people. That's why I love people and I serve people. And I want to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and all the things. In 25th chapter of Matthew is very clearly writing for us to say whatever we do to the least of them we do. And that puts me in the, in the sheep category. And so he says here uh, that he's speaking to us, but there are also thieves there are also robbers that come, which means from the very beginning as Jesus is teaching on his voice manifested to us as his people, the first thing he's talking about is there's thieves. There's thieves, there's robbers, there's people who want to bring doubt. This might be a spirit, this might be your own thoughts, this might be somebody else, might be somebody whose doctrine absolutely forbids any kind of prophecy. And says the prophecy is not for today. Those things have passed away. And they'll even pull that scripture out and say, where there's tongues, they will cease. And prophesying, it will end. And, uh, but also love is mentioned there. So they seem not to go to that. They, they, in that logic, it means that same scripture say, love also has ended. So no, of course, we still have these things. But here he's saying, be careful. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now some people may ask, well, who's the doorkeeper? And we know Jesus is the good shepherd because later he says, I am the good shepherd. So he's playing the role of the shepherd. We're playing the role of the sheep. He's coming to talk to us, but there's some guy here called the doorkeeper. Who's what? Protecting the gate to make sure that the wrong people don't come in. I'm convinced this is the Holy Spirit. That we now have the counselor, the comforter with us, the, the help, parakletos in the Greek, the one called alongside to help us, who is like a, a, a representative of God to work for our best everything. He's, a, and it's why they use legal terms in the Bible of law and litigation, because he's a very good lawyer. You ever see TV shows or movies and, and the first thing the lawyer tells his client is just keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. That's why the Miranda rights in American law, they have Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Uh, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And, you know, so they do have a right to shut their mouth so that a legal representative will come and speak on their behalf. This is the gatekeeper to me. This is the Holy Spirit in my life. I have people all the time. I have people email me almost daily with a word from God. Messenger, and I mean, I have all, if people had a dream, they're writing me and telling me that God showed them this and showed them that. And if, if I were open to all of those things as God's voice, I would be the, the craziest schizophrenic person. I would be driven, I would be insane. Because every opinion is differing. 
But these people are very convinced, and they love. I'm, and I don't write them and say, you know, back off, you lunatic. I, I say, thank you for your consideration. I'll pray about that. But in all honesty, I know right away. I know when I read the subject head, I get a feeling. Before I even read the context of the letter or the message that somebody sent me, and, and I get a funky feeling, and when I start reading, I, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And I, I, I read through it, but then throw it out, don't listen to it. Because people are going to speak stuff to you, and they think, well, you say, well, then how do you know? What is that funk? That is the discernment of the gatekeeper. That he's giving me a nudge in that moment, don't listen to this. Don't pay attention to this. This is not my voice. However, on the contrary, when someone does communicate with you something, a message, a teaching, a preaching, or an actual text message sent to you or an email, and they did hear from God, and I've received many through the years that were amazing. I would say probably the most powerful email I ever received was from Pastor Larry Stockstill in the United States of America. My wife and I often talk about this. And we were missionaries. We were working in the church. We established that the church was growing. But at that time, we really had no vision whatsoever uh, to do anything other than clothe and feed the little naked natives, pat them on the head, and feel good about doing it. That was our vision, just basically meet the needs. But that's so limiting. And one email he sent, and all it says was, the church in Acapulco can be a sending church. That's it. Very simple communication. And when he wrote that to me, it was so vibrant, so alive. I'll say some of the things that came out of that one email. One was this desire to teach Mexicans to be missionaries, which then was coupled by an invitation to teach at a seminary, which caused me to write a book called Human Relations and World Missions that was born, that instigator that lit the fire was one email from one American pastor that simply felt as he, and you know how many, this is a very busy guy. This is the guy that had Kanye at his church and uh, he's, you know, very popular and big. He's like the Joel Osteen of Louisiana. In fact, he and Joel Osteen grew up together. They're good friends. So he, for him to take the time to write me, this same guy, after he wrote that email and another time uh, when we had the, the devastating storm that hit Acapulco, absolutely Everything we I was just I was telling Mick about this the other day I had these credit cards that to feed the people that were the victims from the storm I didn't have any money, but I had credit cards and I maxed out every single credit card because I was buying like food and uh, Necessities for the people because there were hundreds of people whose houses were were mudslid off the mountains They had no place to live or stay so we were working with them in refugee camps and this same pastor, Larry, he is in his church. It's a midweek service in his congregation. And he takes my email where I wrote and told him what was going on down there. And he read it to his congregation, like in a church service like this. And then he said, we're going we're gonna to take up an offering for that brother. Bring out an offering baskets. We're going to do what we can to help him. You know, and he's got a country accent, obviously. And they brought the buckets. They took up the offering. And in one offering in that church, it paid back every single one of my credit cards and put brand new tires on my Toyota Land Cruiser. I mean, God really did amaze. That's what the power of one simple communication can do. And so the gatekeeper, the Holy Spirit, the sheep hear his voice. We will hear his voice, but I say, let the gatekeeper help you out. Why would Jesus mention it? Gatekeeper has a job, and he's there to protect you. Let him be your lawyer. Don't just open up to everything. Imagine if the sheep had the keys to the gate and could just go open the gate up for anybody. You know, then any wolf with a sheep hat on would easily be able to come. But I think that the gatekeeper would know the difference between a, a sheep hat on a wolf's body, you know, the sheep wearing wolf's clothing. So... In this discourse, actually, that, that, that Jesus is talking about this, this is the longest discourse that Jesus speaks about his voice and our hearing it. And that's why we turn to it tonight to, to go through this. So it says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Number two, the sheep know his voice. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
I mean, do you, do you think you know the voice of God when I say that? It says the sheep can, which means that you do have the ability, scripturally, to know God's voice. And you will know it. It's just a matter of learning. The first thing that we saw there was the gatekeeper. The Holy Spirit's going to help us. But now we see that there is an activity here. The voice is most clearly discerned when we are in action. What does it say? It says, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. In other words, when there's a prompting from God and he begins to lead us, if we are following, the voice increases. In fact, the more activities I do in ministry for God, the more I hear his voice. I'll give you a real practical example of that. Let's just say that I took you and suddenly I say that you're a pastor and I'm going to put you in front of a church and you now are responsible to preach the one-hour message every Friday or every Saturday. Uh, don't you believe that that one thing alone will cause you to be a lot more sensitive to the voice of God? Think about it. So in other words, it's an action that is kingdom-oriented. I'm following the shepherd as he leads me where? Out. Out from where? Out from a comfortable corral. Out from a place where I can just rest, where they put me and bed me down at night so that I can be protected. We do go out to do things. We do have ministries. We do have missions. We do reach out to people that are in need. We function this way because the Lord is leading us. And that very thing is probably the number one reason that I have developed a discernment for the voice of God. Because I'm desperate. And every service coming, I'm always thinking, God, what am I going to say? And I take time, lock myself in my room, and I pray, and I say, okay, God, now what? Tell me. What do you want me to share? And what I'm really surprised about is when I do it, it usually happens within 60 seconds. It's so fast. But it doesn't happen until I take that time and ask, what do you want me to say? And some of you are smiling because you've experienced this. And you think before then, though, you know, God doesn't really talk to me. Well, maybe he doesn't have a real purpose to talk to you. Because God is very kingdom-oriented. He's the king of the kingdom. You know my old stupid joke, you know, any kingdom without a king is just dumb. Get it? King, dumb. But anyway, he is talking to you for a reason. He's not talking to you just because he just wants to. He, it's always, every manifestation of God's voice in the Bible is immediately followed with a job. Think about it. Moses. He didn't say, Moses, hey, how you doing? I just want to hang out with you. No, he said, Moses, my people. They're in trouble. I need you to do me a favor. Like, anytime God shows up talking to people, it's like, look, can I ask you something? Are you busy? Because I have a job for you to do. He puts us to work. That's the going out part. That's the ministry part. Because we're his hands and his feet and his voice, and we speak on his behalf. And I thank God that we know his voice, and the knowledge of the voice comes in our action, not our inaction. So let's think and do something. It says... The sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will not by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. It's interesting that he's speaking to them in a physical voice and they're not understanding his voice. Because that also happens, that concepts will come that we will have thoughts and ideas from the shepherd speaking to us. And we don't always understand it right away. There are many things the disciples did not understand until way later on when their lights turned on. Oh, and why did that happen? Well, because of the gatekeeper. It says, he will remind you of everything I ever told you. He basically said, well, don't worry, okay? I know you're not memorizing all this stuff that I'm teaching you. Can you imagine being with Jesus as often as they were? And Jesus was just pouring out words. And do you think, It'd be like, do you remember every single word I've ever told you? No, I hope not, because I make a lot of mistakes. Just take the good things. But Jesus only spoke good things. And there was no way they could have remembered everything, nor comprehended it in this case. But he said, don't worry about it. The gatekeeper's got your back. He will remind you about this stuff when you most need it. So that's the good thing about sheep knowing his voice. And the voice of a stranger, there are strange voices, and you'll know it. You'll feel it. Jesus Use this illustration, but they did not understand these things. Number three, 
The sheep hear his voice in different ways. I liked it immediately when he's talking about this elite crew of 12 disciples. He says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. He's basically saying, okay, guys, I know you think you're special and you're the 12, the group of 12, the awesome 12, and everybody's envious of you because you are my right hand and my left hand men, and we're together, and even more jealous, I'm sure they were, for Peter, James, and John, who was the inner circle, and, but there are other sheep. And I like the way he says it. Well, you know what? And other sheep I have, and that's present tense, which are not of this fold. Them also... I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So a lot of different people think about this in different ways. One way is that, well, did Jesus during this physical time on earth have other disciples that we don't read about? Very possible. We know that Joseph of Arimathea would sneak off and talk to him privately. We know that Nicodemus would come at night so he wouldn't be discovered. So those are some secret disciples. They, too, are a disciple of Christ but they're also very protected. I like the defense that was given concerning um, what they would do with Jesus and his people by Gamaliel. Gamaliel said, look, if it's not God, it's going to die. But if it is God and you fight against these people, you're fighting against God. So that was an advocate. And Jesus said, they're not against us, they're for us. But the sheep hear the voice in many different ways. There'll be one flock. But everybody hears that. I, I spend time with my friend who is from a denomination um, here in Singapore that is very, very different than my understanding of, of God and the Bible. But he's gotten to be a good friend of mine. He's, a, he's a, actually a pastor and a leader. And I love to hear the way he talks about his discernment of the voice of God. It is not at all how I hear from God. But yet it is hearing from God. And he has great testimonies and experiences, and it really challenges me sometimes about me thinking that I am the elite individual that is most sensitive to God. And we should be very careful. I know some great people working in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. They are part of a group and denomination that does not particularly accept or endorse the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. And there are other people who feel that it is inferior, therefore. But in actuality, those are great people doing great things for Jesus. And accomplishing more and establishing and doing wonderful things. Everybody hears differently. And when Jesus says this, basically he's saying, look, I have sheep, many different kinds. I'm going to relate to them. They're all one body. We're all going to come together. And there is one body of Christ. And I'm open to all of them. There will be one flock and one shepherd, but the sheep hear his voice in different ways, which means that I, as a leader and a pastor, I might be able to teach you about how to hear the voice of God, but it's very possible you can hear him in ways I have never heard him. So you see exactly how is it that he can communicate with you. Number four, the sheep follow him when they hear his voice. So my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. One of my favorite passages. Because nobody wants to be snatched. Nobody wants to be taken out of the protective custody of God. And I like that it's not just Jesus, it's also the Father. So we have a whole team. We have the entire Trinity working for our protection when it comes to his voice and his connection to eternity with us. It gives us eternal life and we will not perish. And nothing can take us out of that eternal existence. Yeah, people can come kill us. Somebody can attack us or stab us or push us off of a off of a balcony or, you know, we can be murdered. A lot of things can happen. It's interesting these days, I'm seeing more and more accounts of people in Syria and Iraq and other areas where they're trying to kill these people and they can't. And it reminds me of John the Baptist who was put in, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, John the disciple who was put in boiling oil, but it didn't kill him. And so they just, you know, brought him out on an island somewhere where he couldn't talk to people. And so God gave him the revelation. He wrote one of the most amazing prophecies, the end time prophecy. So in this case, eternal life is our priority. We will not perish. We have that all because of his voice. We hear as my father who has given them to me is greater and we cannot be snatched out of his hand either. So the sheep follow him 
when they hear his voice. We hear his voice and we follow. We listen and then we obey, provided we do. I like Paul Young Cho when I always asked, how did you make the biggest church in the world? And he says, I pray and I obey. And they would want him to give this big, you know, course and lessons on how to do it. He just, that's what he always said, I pray and I obey. Just that. I pray, God speaks, what he tells me I do. And that's it. Doesn't have to be more complicated. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So we come to this last scripture. The truth accepted makes us able to hear his voice. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would fight or my servants would fight. Now, first of all, understand he is now arrested. He's standing before Pilate and uh, they are arraigning him basically for the death sentence of crucifixion, which is not decided yet. And his disciples have scattered and they've taken him, and so that's where he's talking in this context. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate, therefore, said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So here, Jesus is speaking to him and he says something really profound surrounding my voice. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And of course, here Pilate wants to know, well, what is truth? How do you define that? Well, Jesus was truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That come and follow me. He told all of his disciples, follow me. When we decide to follow him as a shepherd and listen to him, we become connected with the truth. And that truth is our life. And that light that shines into us. And his voice can be heard by those who operate in that truth. When we're washed in the blood of Jesus, when, when we're cleansed of all of our sin, God gives us so many gifts, and his voice is one of them. Discernment. If, if you have not had success hearing the voice of God, don't give up. Reconsider different ways that he may speak to you and continue to seek. Uh, my, my story is the first time I had a mentality that God would actually speak to us like I'm talking to you right now, physical voice. And so that's what I pressed in for in prayer as a 17-year-old and begged him, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Now, the whole time he was talking to me, but I didn't know it then. I didn't think of it as his voice because a voice to me is what you hear me speaking through this microphone. And that's what I wanted. And he did. He actually spoke to me audibly. And uh, most of you have heard that story, but he spoke to me. And the first thing he ever did was call my name. And I heard my name, and I honestly did not think it was... Um, God, I thought it was a person in my house calling my name, and I got up and looked for it and couldn't find it. Now, some people may say, well, well, how was it that moment? Well, honestly, at that moment, I was, I had fasted, uh, not on purpose. I just didn't eat because I didn't have money, and I had become more sensitive. Uh, sometimes fasting is a good idea. I certainly should, should do some fasting and discern and listen to the voice of God. You say, well, why does that work? Because it weakens your, your ideas, your, your drive. Like when you haven't eaten, you know how you get in a grumpy mood or you feel weak if you don't eat long enough. Actually, you do, if you haven't really fasted for protracted periods of time, I recommend that you do it by direction of God. And it is nice. There is a, you do cross a line eventually where you don't feel anything. Uh, it usually takes a few days. But if you can fast, uh, I've done as many as uh, I've done more than a week at a time. And you do get into this floaty zone where, yeah, you're smiling all the time because you hear his voice constantly. He's like really talking to you. So I recommend it. I'll do some teaching on fasting in the future. And I think I keep on hearing the idea. I think God's going to call me to do some fasting. And you're welcome to join me with that so that we can hear his voice. We're going to keep working to hear his voice. 
Jesus is the truth. Let's look at the summation of, of what we talked about. We listen to God, the whispers of the Spirit. God's voice establishes all things. He spoke over the life of individuals. The Father spoke over Jesus to establish who he was. This is my son. God will do that for you. Just as he spoke over the, the face of the deep, over the waters, he spoke and said, let there be light. God's voice is deep, powerful, and life-changing, like the sound of many waters. And the first time I heard him in my room talking to me, uh, it was overwhelming, and I did not recognize it as a voice. God's voice is individually perceived. So you have your own task. Like we say, you know, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You work out your own ability to hear his voice by seeking, asking, knocking, until the door opens, until he responds. Four things about the voice of the good shepherd, the sheep hear his voice. It's a fact. Jesus wouldn't tell us if it weren't possible. The sheep know his voice. We will know it in light of the wrong voices. We will discern the difference. The sheep hear his voice in different ways. So how you learn to hear from God might not be the way that I hear from God. So become aware of your way of hearing. Some people, I've seen some very unorthodox ways that people hear from God. Um, I don't recommend that you do the, the Bible thing. Some people take the Bible and sit it on its binding and let it fall open. And just do the finger thing, like see, see what it says. Very risky. Some guy I heard one time did that. And he said, um, and he, and he, said he, he put his finger on one scripture and it was a reference to Judas, talking to Judas Iscariot. And God's telling that thing you're going to do, do it quickly. He's like, no, what thing? So he started getting in the condemnation. He flips somewhere else and it talks about killing yourself. He's like, no. So, so who knows? Don't do that. That's like the Urim and the Thummimur, the rolling dice. So no, you, you learn to discern your method in different ways. The sheep follow him when they hear his voice. And the truth accepted makes us able to hear his voice. And that's a fact. The truth accepted makes us able. The kingdom is not of this world. It's not. His voice is not of this world. In his communication, it's not of this world. It's eternal. It's spiritual. And we need to be open to discern it. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want us to pray. God is so good to us at all times. So loving. Sing that song one more time again. Your kindness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to be like you. Your favor. Is my delight every day? Awaken my praise. I pour out a song from my heart. Cause you are good. You are good. You are good. And your mercy is forever. You are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy is forever. So your kindness is forever, your kindness is forever, your goodness is forever, your mercy is forever, forever. Your kindness is forever Your goodness is forever Your mercy is forever Forever And every day I awaken my praise I pour out a song From my heart Sing again every day Every day in my praise and pour out a song from 
my heart Tell him you are good You are good You are good And your mercy is forever You are good You are good You are good And your mercy is forever Your mercy is forever Your mercy is forever Say that one more time Your mercy Your mercy is forever Father, we know that you are the good shepherd and we're listening to your voice. We want to hear whatever you would say to us. Give us discernment. Give us patience. Give us understanding of how we need to listen to you. Speak to us, Lord. Bring encouragement. Bring life. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, when we are in a place that maybe we should not be, we ask that your voice would manifest loudly. When we are in a place of needing knowledge, we ask that your voice would speak to us. We can find your voice in your word. We know that as we study the scriptures, we will hear exactly what you said. Every word written is your words. We accept it, that it's inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. And so we can hear you speak. So Lord, continue to speak to us, continue to develop our ears, our spiritual ears of hearing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.